We're starting. There it is. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. You ready? You're going to drop your papers? What else is new? <laughs> yeah! Woo! Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Anti-Wave. Yes, it is. A podcast dedicated to the films that defend themselves. Defend themselves, because the movie we'll be discussing is... The Art of Art Self-Defense. Of self-defense. Yeah. yeah and were the, you trying to do that in sync with me? Yeah, we you did it. Try it again? We were in sync last time. Let's try we it. We were. The movie we're, we're seeing this week is, is The, the Art, Art of self-defense. self-defense. They're pausing <laughs> a little bit off. You were off. Uh, no, you're off. Take three. Uh, the Art, Art of, of self-defense. self-defense. Wow, let's go home. Are we gay? Very. Yeah. Uh, uh, and our top and five our this top week. Top five is yeah. what? Oh, what's our top five again? Do you remember? Oh, sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, top five here. martial oh, arts I know movies. It. Martial arts movies. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Let me just say, there's a lot of them. I haven't seen any. <laughs> <laughs> That's not there's a genre so, you watch. It's huh? not a genre. I, yeah. So I mean, there's there's like a lot. But how many have I actually seen? But I came up with my five. I'm I've, I'm betting it's the five that you have seen. Yeah, well, otherwise that wouldn't be fair because yeah. they're called favorites. Hey, do you remember last week we had top five disgusting disgusting food scenes? films? We got some email, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, let's hear a few. Hey, man, there's one that I really like in here. Which there's one, one that? that I forgot. Yeah. Did you see ever see the Lost Boys? I did, maggots and I liked Michael. it a lot. Maggots, I, Michael. Yeah. You're eating maggots. Yeah. That's a great line. It was a great movie. Do you remember that scene? It was a great movie. I I do. do you, it's where he thinks he's eating Chinese food and he looks down yeah. and the the vampires yeah. are playing a trick on him. Yeah, he's actually been eating. Maggots. I remember that movie. I saw that movie. I like that movie. Yeah, it's got quite a gas. So yeah, that was one. Um, what else did we get here? Some other um, uh, emails. Uh, the movie uh, Seven. Did we talk about that? I don't, I don't think so. Where the guy that. eats himself to death. Yes, that's a good one. How can we left that one off? I don't know. It wasn't even one of our scoops. Yeah. I think maybe it's because you don't actually see him eating it. You just see the aftermath. Uh, but right. that's a good one. That's right. I, I like right. that. Right. Uh, I never heard of Cannibal Holocaust. You haven't heard uh, of Cannibal Holocaust? Actually, we talked about it weeks and weeks ago because someone did. associated with a movie it was in my dead corner. Yes. Yeah, that, that movie came under controversy because a lot of people thought that they actually right. killed somebody for that's that right. movie. But it was like of a snuff movie, but it wasn't really a snuff right, movie. Right, right. So that one, uh, a movie we spoke about a few weeks ago, uh, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Yeah. Remember, we talked about that. And there, there's quite an animal uh, an animal scene, an eating scene about um, eating someone's cock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that. French fried taters. <laughs> Faces of Death. Have you ever seen that? Of course. Yeah. I, this is going to surprise you. Yeah. I have too. Yeah. I saw a pirated copy on VHS. That does yes. not surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> that does not surprise me. Uh, the fact that you saw it pirated and not like streamed into your home is yeah, what's surprising. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, there's a bunch. Those are some. Oh wait, also I did hear from some other people too, Robert. What? Uh, evidently, I never saw the movie Meatballs, but I guess there's a hot dog eating scene. Yeah. In Meatballs. Yeah. So somebody wrote to me on Facebook about that, and also another person wrote to me about um, the life of Brian, about the big fat guy who explodes. Uh huh. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember. He eats, 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 and explodes. What about the scene from Private Parts where she shoves the kielbasa down her throat, and she doesn't quite eat it, but she's demonstrating that. <laughs> She can deep throw the kielbasa. Is and that is that disgusting or erotic as hell? Both. <laughs> Good answer. It's almost Good answer. grotesque. <laughs> hey, man, what did you see this week? That's it. Are you saying it's time for Some Are Old, Some Are New? We now present The Week in Review. Yeah, man, do it. I'm going to go first? Yeah. Wow. Wow. There's some films I want to acknowledge. I never heard of this movie, but I happened to find it someplace uh, called Big Mistake. 
And it was I've not. A, that. Hmm? I can't remember if I've seen that or I not. Don't, I don't think you've seen it. Has you? No, I don't. Big think mistake. A, a, a bounty hunter who has to protect a socialite, and he falls in love with her, and blah blah. It's it's a no. It's a bad not. film. But I want to tell you something. Huh? Yeah, you know who distributed it? Mm. Indie Rights. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. I saw their logo at the beginning. Maybe that's why I know it because I've seen. That the, could very well be it. The, indie Rights, as you know, also distributed Thirty Love. Thirty Love, which you, is available on ThirtyLoveFilm.com. That's right. Yeah. And did yeah. you know if you go there, you can what? buy the DVD or Blu-ray and get over three hours of extra bonus features. And if you discount? type in, yeah, you if you discount? type in anti-wave, you get ten percent off at checkout. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, I happened to that see was that. seamless. I know. See, but you're not supposed to call attention to the fact that it's seamless, but it was <laughs> seamless. I happened to see on the background while I was doing stuff five easy pieces. You no, know? wait a minute. What? I'm more interested in what you're doing that this is on in the background. Masturbating. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you're looking at porn on your phone and five easy pieces is what's playing on the No, TV. Robert, I'm thinking about you. <laughs> five easy strokes. All right, so what are, what you, are know you... know what? It was so... And again, we know this. It was part of that new Hollywood. Right. And it had that feel of like an independent film. Yeah. Just the way well, it was I think shot. it was, right? It actually, it was an independent film. Uh, and it was very similar in... in in tone and attitude, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Right. And it's interesting, too, that both of those films had piano playing in them. With Alice, oh, really? she was playing the piano. Remember that? Right. We'd see that? And with Al Pacino playing. That's no. why it's called Five Easy Pieces. Pacino? Um, no, that was Jack Nicholson was in that. Pacino why did I say Al Pacino? That? Al Pacino. Well, no, not Al. Uh, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. I stand corrected. Jack Nicholson was playing. I mean, the it's been a while since I've seen pieces. it, but I don't think Pacino yeah. was in. No, you're right. Right, it's my my mistake. Right. But Bob Raffleson, um, and he's again part of the whole new Hollywood thing, and he r- directed that film, and he also co-created the monkeys. <laughs> Can I call our attention to something that I just learned about? Speaking of, of like that new Hollywood crowd, uh, th- this this is germane to the uh, to the discussion that we were were just having. Please do. Did you see? Okay, remember how Rip Taylor, uh, not Rip Taylor, Rip Torn. Rip Torn. Not, see, we get them confused. I know. Well, it's, they're they're one and the same. Those two. Yeah, yeah. Do you you you're aware of how he died? He was in a film with Norman Mailer in the early seventies. Do you remember hearing about this? Well, I only Googled this and I read up on him because I was going to talk about him last week in the Dead Corner. So I wanted to get more familiar with him when we spoke about him. He was in a movie called Maidstone, and in the movie. Norman Mailer had done a kind of um, avant-garde, almost like what we would call mumblecore today, where he took all these people up to the Hamptons, gave them all roles, and he was playing, and Norman Mailer was was acting in the film as well, and he was acting as a political candidate or something like that. I haven't seen the movie. Um, But he wanted one of them to attempt to assassinate his character. And while they're shooting, Rip Taylor... Sorry, Rip Torn. Keep getting confused. Rip Torn pulls out a hammer and really That's tries right. to kill That's him. That's right. That's right. And Norman Mailer is like, "Get the fuck off me!" That's and right. he starts ripping, uh, biting, and ripping Rip Torn, Rip Torn's ear. Rip Torn. Oh, Mister. I know. Again. I know. And then Rip Taylor came out and started throwing confetti everywhere. So there was no. Okay. No, you're kidding on that. But yes. But they got into this big fight, and it's all online. You can see the whole. It's like a ten minute. Uh, they just let the cameras roll. Really? Yeah. And it's available. You can see it. Oh yeah, and it's definitely a, a like a big scuffle. And and Norman Mailer's family is there, and this kids come running up, and they're all crying. And the wife is like 
beating uh, Rip Torn and be like, get off of him. And what are you doing? And she's like hitting him and stuff. I got to watch that. I got to watch that. It's really pretty fascinating. Because I did do some research on this and I read all about that. And it was it was a real nasty set. There was quite an edge between the two of them. And they went to fisticuffs. And yeah, with the Rip Torn... Um, had quite, well, you know, we spoke about that. That he had bouts with alcoholism yeah. and quite a temper. He looked like lot he's of, on drugs. Yes, he and there really are other instances like where this happened also in other sets. Right. So even though you know I loved him his work and and so on, but he was uh, quite a character to say the least. I've heard about that, but I know it's available on YouTube. I yeah, guess, right? he just looks all drugged up. But yep. I guess from his perspective, I read a short little interview about him where he was saying he he needed that scene where my character was trying to kill him, was trying to assassinate him. So in a way, I was doing him a favor. I think uh, I have nothing but uh, huge respect to him, and I wanted it to be the ending to the film as my character was trying to kill his character. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you don't have to actually fucking clobber him with a real hammer. Wow. Anyway. Wow. I want to watch that. Yeah. So, yeah. So five easy pieces. Not with Al Pacino, with Jack Nicholson. Hey, you know what was on TV again? It just happened to be on Dawn of the Dead, which we spoke about last week. Mm-hmm. And that was on. And sure enough, there was that little girl scene we spoke about that was really disturbing. Um, and uh, that was, again, the, that was the one to 2004, The Mall, The right. Mall metaphor. So I had that. That's my favorite zombie movie. It's really well it, done. It is. Yes, it is. And the gruel, the scenes with the eating of flesh are really powerful. And yeah. the whole mall thing is a metaphor for contemporary society and commercialism and all that stuff. Oh, really? It, <laughs> I'm just trying to teach you. I thought they just went there. They to just like, happened to go on. to a mall because yeah. that was the only available building. I like how they were trying to communicate with the other guy. That There was like a guy in a gun shop. Right? Wasn't that what it was? There was, wasn't there? Yeah, and they're trying to communicate with him. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Star Trek Beyond. Did no. you see these franchises? No. You know what? I just, I, I couldn't get into it. But you know what? Uh, Simon Pegg wrote the screenplay. Yeah, you I knew think, that? Do you knew that? Oh, yeah. That's crazy. I think Tarantino's going to uh, direct the I next read one. that. He wants to do an R-rated one. Yeah. He wants to do an R-rated one. Uh, and, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well. I, I, the one thing about Tarantino is that his... I mean, I guess he did do an Elmore Leonard book, but other than that, most of his stuff has been his own universe. It's been his own creations. Right. Him getting into a work like that is like, you're mixing your fields, man. Stay in your lane. It's almost like selling out. It's not a specialty. It's not what he's known for. Yeah. It's got to create his own universe instead of jumping on a franchise. Yeah. There needs to be more struggle, you know, and I think there's not a struggle in that. And there's a reason why Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are so good. It's because he's still trying to cut his teeth. He's still right. trying to prove himself. Right, right. Anyway. Yeah. You ever hear of a movie called Life Force? Does that mean anything to you? I've heard of it. That I sounds like, familiar. What well, is I was it? really intrigued because uh, the alien women are naked in the film. They are, oh. with, with full frontal oh. nudity. So I saw that. Toby Hooper directed But they're it. aliens. You don't get off on aliens, though, oh, right? She's a sexy lady. Oh. Last one. Red, not to be confused with Reds, but this is Red. I think you like that this movie. This is the Bruce Willis movie, yes. right? The action movie with I never saw it. You, Helen Mirren. Yeah, Helen's back again. Yeah, that's a good movie. You know what? It it did what it was supposed to do, and it was fun. Yeah, and there was a wink throughout the whole film. Uh, again, with Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman and our I guy. Think I Helen. own Red too. I think somebody gave it to me as a gag, but yeah, I think I've got Red too. If you want to borrow Red too, send me home with it. Yeah. That's what I saw this week. And you? I only saw one film. I was really busy, and uh, I had a, a sick producer and a sick baby, so we were uh, we were a little busy this week. But we did watch one film, which was Company Men, 
The Company Man. Did you see this? No, no. This is a movie with uh, Ben Affleck. Um, man, who else is in this? Ben Affleck, uh, Kevin Costner. Uh, oh, boy. There's a bunch of people that are in it. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. And it's it centers on this group of men who are fired from a, uh, a very large shipping company. Um, they're, they're kind of... They, they do other... They've kind of grown throughout the years and they've become so big they have other aspects to their business but they started out as a shipping company and making like actual ships and they lay a bunch of people off a lot of the salesmen and they're all out of work and nobody can find a job and at first they're all very hopeful and like oh man i'll get this job no problem but nothing seems to be around they they're living in the boston area and uh in particular the the main protagonist seems to be uh ben affleck who starts out very like prideful and like ah, I'm not gonna you know subject myself to having to do this kind of shit work and by the end he's working a construction job with his brother-in-law which is Kevin Costner Kevin Costner's uh, uh, construction company and Ben Affleck kind of learns what hard work really is and not these like cushy uh, salesman jobs where he doesn't really have to do anything and he doesn't have to um, he doesn't really need the Porsche that he's purchased and spending way too much money on and living in these uh you know this really really giant house and now he's so financially hard up that he has to move back in with his parents after he's moved out for a long time it's a great movie really great performances uh it, i think you would really really enjoy that and what's film. it called again it's called the, the company Men. and when did it come out oh probably f- i'm gonna say 2011 2012 something like that yeah. so relatively new but in the not, last decade but not last week or anything got it yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice recommendation. I have a crazy request. What? Do we have like an overhead light? We do. Is, can we turn the light? Because it's... Uh, no, man. We're going to sit in the dark. As I'm getting older, I notice that light will help me read. <laughs> I think it's a sign of... Um, so is there like a switch? Um, you can read? Look, at, <laughs> look, Producer Joey. Yeah, we'll get you. That's that's a producer job. Joey. Uh, oh, thank you. Let there be light. Ah. Hey, man. Thank you. You want to talk about a movie? A movie? Yeah. And Robert, talk us through it. All right, the art of self-defense centers around uh, Jesse Eisenberg's character, Casey Davies, which is a very feminine-sounding name. Yeah, you're kind of yeah. You're, you're tipping that was your the whole, hat. Yeah, that yeah, was the well, whole thing. You're kind of tipping you're supposed your hat to here. laugh at that. Well, I was. Yeah, because oh, it was the oh, I see. You're being sarcastic because it's a duh. <laughs> no, Casey Davies is a very yeah. feminine-sounding name. Yeah, that was the whole plot point. Right, and that was the whole. Yeah, I get it. I have sorry. Right. Just throw me a bone. What's a fun, yeah. Anyway, it Casey out his Davies' boss's name was Leslie. Okay. Uh, right, right, right. So Casey Davies uh, is kind of a. What would you say? This is kind of a stereotype character. He is. I can't. I've been really looking forward. Is a video. stereotype character who's very quiet and uh, kind of, uh, I guess, like shit upon in his job. He's an accountant. Uh, he's like nobody really wants to be his friend. He has no social life. He, his only companion is a Dotson that he has at home. Uh, that he just it's just this very lonely existence. And one night while he's going out to get some dog food, he gets mugged and beaten within an inch of his life. And when he awakes from his coma, he realizes that he needs to start protecting himself. Mm-hmm. So he winds up joining a karate class and uh, gets in with a dojo and idolizes his new sensei quickly. This word dojo. Yeah. Help me with that word. You don't know dojo? No, this is a new word for me. Seriously. Really? Because, yeah. 
talk dojo means that's like the place where you practice karate. right right yeah. is it like a karate class workshop it's the Just place the the oh it's the actual st- studio the building yeah studio yeah go go ahead yeah so he joins the new dojo right the class or whatever you want to call it and he uh, starts out as a white belt and quickly moves his way up to yellow belt and this becomes his new existence and he becomes obsessed with the fact that he is now a yellow, yellow. belt. Every goes to the market and he buys he, everything yellow. Yes, All the he, food is he, yellow. Every, his whole life is now defined by becoming a yellow belt. Makes him feel better. And as he starts to uh, get more and more experience with uh, with the, the dojo and the ins and outs and, and kind of moving up the social ranks, he starts to discover that not everything is as it seems within the dojo and the sensei and some of the other members of the dojo have a dark secret and it oh. all centers around the night class because he starts night with class. the day class and yeah. the night class has some dark that's secrets. a crazy act three in this movie yeah man what'd you think yeah i liked it did you I, like I it i like this movie this I, is a good I liked movie. it quite a lot yeah. i liked it quite a lot let's get into a few specifics shall you know at first at first, when I read about the movie and thought, I thought it was going to be like a, um, was it Falling Down? Was that the, I oh, thought really? it was going to be like that, and it wasn't. I thought Straw Dogs, yeah. Straw Dogs, but it wasn't. And there were So you thought it was going to be more serious? I didn't know what to expect. I heard that it was a, a black comedy, but I thought it was a revenge and getting even, which it was, but it's so much more than that. And it definitely had the feel of Fight Club. There was a certain yeah. Fight Club element throughout the whole yeah. film. Um, but... I like this film a lot, and I want to say that the the dialogue was so Robert. It was almost too clever in parts. I would agree. You do agree with that? Where it was self consciously. There were times. By the way, let's just say this: we watched it together. We happened that you and I went together to see this film uh, yesterday, and I loved that Robert. That in the first two minutes. I whispered to you, and I just love the whole setup of the film. Where were we in a Starbucks? Where we well, you saw- whispered, "I love you." <laughs> where we saw another couple making fun of our, our lead of the uh, protagonist yeah. and talking about the disgusting coffee and making fun of him and what he probably does with his penis and all that stuff. But I like the feel of it. I just like what I was watching. And I think I leaned over to and I said, I think we're going to like this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there were things like, let me just pull you into a few specifics in well, the first. Hold act, on. Let's talk about the dialogue before we move that on. That is my first. Okay. okay. Let's talk about, go ahead and say what you want to okay. say. I want to talk about the I have dialogue. a few, okay, back on the TV screen. With the, the, he he's beat up by thugs at the beginning, and that right. propels him to take the karate lessons. And the newscaster says, "A thirty-five-year-old man with a, who owns a dog." Yeah, we laughed out loud. Yes, but no news is going to say that. That's exactly why I laughed. Right. Listen. So it's almost like we're in a different universe. Yes. And I think that's what's so nice about it. I, I mean, do too. I thought. No, let me say one more. I sure. want to interrupt you with one more example. He's he's a loner. We get it. He's a loner, and they're hitting us over the head with this notion. And his phone answering machine says, "No one else has left you a message." Yeah. No phone answering machine says that. It's, well, there I'll, are no more messages. I'll, I'll give you one more. Please. At the beginning, that message machine when he hit his message, it says, "You have only one message." Oh. No one would say you have only. only. You would say yes. you have one message. Yes. That's it. So I liked it. It was quirky. It was clever. It was almost too clever. It was calling attention to itself. Unless we combine the premise, this is a different world. Yes. And I felt comfort with that notion. Yeah. This is a this different This reminds reality. me a lot go, of, go. Uh, and we, we talked about it on this podcast, the um, Sorry to Bother You. I knew you were going to say that. I knew. It has a very similar feel. Now yes. that's a little more cartoony. It's a little bit more extreme and surreal but this definitely has that other universe type of vibe and i think part of the reason why is 
And I was noticing when we were watching the film, I feel like every single character didn't say anything other than what they were thinking in that moment. And that caused me to feel like they're, they must be thinking other things that they're not saying, but I don't think that was the case. It was all saying exactly what they thought yes, and nothing else. Let me give you one more example. Yeah. I, again, I jotted these down late last night after we saw the film, and the, the, the yellow belt, the yellow belt is sacred. Mm. If you lose it, you have to pay us $15. Yeah. And you laughed, and I laughed, and it's just like, no one would say those words, but I liked it. Yeah, I did too. It's it's a very clever kind of... Uh, this reminds me of... Um, there's a French filmmaker who he did the movie Rubber, and this reminded me of Rubber. This it's that was the serial killer tire, the tire that like rolls around and kills right, people, right? And just very kind of otherworldly films. And I really, I almost can't imagine reading this script and thinking this is a good script. It it really, if I read this, I'd go like, this is what is this? This is stupid. That's what I would think. It really is the film. Once you see the film up on screen, you go, ah, yes. now it makes sense. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of trust that Jesse Eisenberg has to put into the director to realize that this is going to come to life the way that it, it did. That's a real interesting point. If you read the script, it would seem to... Dialogue would be... Very predictable, too, too and you'd be going... Yeah, yeah. predictable. Yeah, right, right. But somehow watching it in a film just worked. It did work. And I think that's a testament to the director. I think the director pulled all this together. If you notice, everybody was on the same page in terms of even the way that they said their dialogue. There were no contractions. I don't think anyone spoke with contractions. It was all, uh, I do not want to go over there with you. Yes, yes. And that It was very kind of stilted and stiff in that way, but it still kind of rolled off the tongue. And one more, which I think supports this premise, that didn't you feel that there was like a detachment? Yes, um, all Every the character characters were detached with what they saw and some grisly, but there was, they were a notch removed from what was really happening. Right. But I liked it. And I liked that. Our main character is also detached, but we're just along with him for the yes. ride. Like we see his yes. detachment. Yes. That's cool. I'm really glad that we, yeah. yeah. Very much. It's like I, a different universe. Yeah. But I like that universe. And I, I think like it's very, there. it's very, like I said, French. I feel like there's a lot of French filmmakers who, use that style of humor it definitely felt european uh mm -hmm. it almost feels alien like an alien was making a movie about humans agreed. that's what it feels agreed like. agreed yeah but it was a good alien movie uh playing with all of the tropes that we that we deal with and i don't know there's that it, there was just something that was really fun about it what was that other thing that is um his, his instructors this belt i love it thank you so much for i will and it will keep my pants up yeah remember that you laughed at that line he said not like, only you, not only not only does it reflect that i am a black belt in karate but it also holds my pants up who that character would not have said that in any in, in, no. except in this reality he would in that yeah yeah it's 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 a black belt he just bought him a black belt i know i, know. I don't keep my pants up you know Here's a flaw. Let's see if we're on board with this. Okay. The way they depicted our, our lead, and again, a loner, an introvert, uh, no friends, real bad at social interaction and so on. And he was so, he was almost autistic. Didn't you feel that there was something autistic about yeah, him? Yeah, but I feel like he always plays those same yes, kind of characters. Yes, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's always almost autistic. Are you ready for this? Yeah. At the beginning of Act One, he, that character... Casey? Would, yes, Casey. Casey. It sounds like a girl's name. <laughs> 
See, I laughed. I I know you helped. uh, Okay, sorry about that. Oh, yeah, on that one. Would not have run out of dog food. Yes, that character. I I noticed that. And that was a flaw in the movie, that the way they painted this character, Casey, girl's name, he would have had Uh spared. There would have been three bags of dog food in other cupboards. He would not have allowed that to happen. Yes, I agree. But there had to be something to propel him to go out late at night to go to the grocery store, so give him a mug, blah, 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 blah. But that was that was a flaw, a minor flaw in the film. I agree. Yeah. I mean, even he turns to the dog and says, I'm sorry, I didn't know we were out of food. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You knew from the scoop yesterday that you gave him yes. of dog food. Yeah. He had to have known you were out uh, of dog yeah, there's, food. Uh, no, there's nothing left, so he would have known. I mean, I would have taken it better if he'd said, I'm sorry, I meant to stop by the store today, but I forgot. Bingo. That's all you there, there's The your line fix. was wrong. There's your fix. That's it. Yeah. I would have done it on the way home from work, but I forgot. Yeah. Good. Problem solved. Um, and I think it could have also, he could have been distracted by the magazine. You know, he there's a scene early in the movie where he sees a coworker who has a magazine that he kind of wants to read. And it, the name of the magazine is the, uh, the, like the Roman shield, like the masculine shield. That's the name of the magazine. And he wants to read it, and he feels too timid to ask to see the magazine. And he sneaks into this co-worker's office late at night. Xerox. And Xeroxes every page of the yeah. magazine and takes it home and looks at it. And it's advertisements for guns and pictures of boobs. And uh, you know, it says, like, wolf, a man's best friend. Like an article about having a wolf as a, as a pet instead of just a regular dog. So there's all these things about being male and masculine. And, uh, and that... It was a character development. It served no purpose in the rest of the story, but it was a character development moment. And that could have been the reason why he forgot to get dog food, right? Is that he stayed late to make this Xerox of the magazine and then he forgot, you know? That, well, that ties in with your fix, right? right. That would be organically connected. That would have been fix. a better Absolutely, fix. absolutely. Yeah, that's the only flaw, I thought, in, in the whole film. But I was willing... To, I mean, look, if you're making a small mistake like that... But I, it's at the beginning. Right. That bothered me, though. Well, oh, it did. Yeah, the fact is, if it's at the end, I buy into... You know what I mean? Really? To have that error of motivation, and it was a prime motivation to get him out so he can get mugged, um, not the way they painted that character. He would not have run out of dog food. He just wouldn't have. Anyway, I like your suggestion. I do... I, I think there's little winks and nods to the audience. Things like the the news reporter saying a 35 year old <laughs> dog owner and you know describing you as like the biggest achievement in your life is that you owned a dog i know i know or you know the answering machine that we mentioned before it's hysterical and the, it's great little little nods to let us know this is tongue in cheek it's yes, supposed to almost be funny. whimsical almost like a whimsical quality i'm reminded of happiness did you ever see happiness i didn't see it no do you know about it i know of it it's it's ironic because a movie called Happiness, I don't think there's a happy scene in the whole movie, but it's about three sisters and their relationships with other men, and it's it's some of the most depressing, perverted, gross, disgusting filmmaking I've seen. Uh, one of the main characters is a uh, a pedophile, and he you, you almost start to sympathize, not with the act of being a pedophile, but the idea of this longingness for love and connection and when i saw that movie it was the american premiere at the chicago film festival and laura flynn boyle was there and she announced um you know she said i want everyone to know that we made a comedy this is a comedy and so as you watch it um it's meant to laugh it's meant to make you 
um, laugh at these characters. So you should understand that as you were watching it. And there's, you know, I, I was laughing throughout because it's a very dark comedy, uh, very dark. And there's one scene where the pedophile, uh, his son comes in after he's after the pedophile has been busted and the cops kind of know that he's uh, he's a pedophile. And I think he's out on bail or something. And his son comes in and asks him, did you do all these things to the, the boys? Because the kids at school are talking about you. Did you did you do that? And he says, yeah. And he says, what did you do? And the dad says, I fucked them. And the kid says, what did it feel like? He says, it felt great. And he says, well, would you ever do that to me? And the dad says, no, I would jerk off instead. And I was crying laughing <laughs> because it's so incredibly awkward. It's this really tense scene of like, Ugh! And I swear you could have heard a, a, a pinfall in that theater except for me giggling. At I that. love it. I love it. And I felt similar to this. You could hear certain <laughs> moments as we were watching this movie of people laughing and just something really got them. And like, that's so fucking weird and awkward. And why are you doing this? And it just, it's that kind of irreverent humor that really played out. Right. Now, it wasn't nearly as perverted or dark as that. It's actually much more lighthearted, this uh-huh. movie. Uh-huh. Um, but it, I think every scene is meant to be funny and there are little winks to you, but it's not always bust out loud funny. It's a lot of like, huh, that's, that's amusing. Well said. Yep. And at first, in the beginning of the film, I did think that the dialogue was too witty, too self-conscious, too clever. But then... It washed over. I, I embraced it, and I mm. thought, "Whose world am I in?" But regardless, I like it here. That's yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. I like being in this world. Sure. And it just really worked for me. Yeah, I wrote down here uh, that it was um, Kafka esque and a little bit. Can you appreciate that? Yeah, the I can feel s- of it. Appreciate that. And it was absurd. There was like absurdist humor throughout. Right. And uh, whoever you, uh, I so whose universe is this? I don't know, but I like it. Um, I got an interesting question for you. Yeah. When does this movie take place? Did you think of, Did you think like about what this? year? It takes yeah, place? yeah. Is it contemporary? Because it was. I don't remember. I think that the big indicator are cell phones. That's the biggest indicator. And there were none. Were there cell phones? I don't there remember. Were any. No, there were none. There were none. Were there none? There were none. Well, here's what I want to tell you. Uh, there, go ahead. Um, we should say that his. Um, it's his boss Wait, as well as none? the karate teacher. Not, I knew you were going to go there. Well, Whoopi Goldberg really oh. was good in this movie. Okay. Um, but the the boss karate instructor, the grand... Da, da, da. Sensei is Yeah, and in the third act, we see the that... The boss karate instructor. Yeah, well, that's what I said. <laughs> boss karate instructor. They're called senseis. The big man on campus. All mm-hmm. right, yeah. And uh, gets to do... Spoken like uh, a true Jew <laughs> who's never done one day of karate class. to do our hero to do some pretty questionable Did you do Krav things. Maga <laughs> at least? <laughs> you see. That's Israeli, right? You know, I had bo- karate <laughs> lessons. I swear to God. My parents made me take boxing lessons. I had dance lessons, boxing, and karate. I didn't last very long. Boxing? Yeah. Man, your parents wanted to toughen you up. They did. It didn't work. They, they probably, what kind of dancing was it? Oh, that was called the Ted Raid, and all the ki- all the Jewish kids here Cotillion? in West LA took Ted Raid, and it was like it was it was just this is tap dance or ballet no, it was or something? tap or ballet. It was dancing with a with a girl and and doing the swing. Did you get and a hard on trot? Yeah, I, I used to go. Home. I couldn't wait to go home and masturbate. Uh, there you I go. That sounds go. like Ira. Uh, there you go. Um, 
our our who ends up being our antagonist gets our hero to do some questionable things and he records it robert it's not done on a cell phone it's done on a big ass camera that looks like it's 20 years old right and when our hero discovers in the hidden secret room there are all these tv monitors it's reel-to-reel tape cassettes yeah it's not vhs tapes yes it's not flash drives yeah, I, isn't that interesting? I, it There's is. no hint of contemporary. I think the the big camcorder that he records him on, um, and that felt like it could have been contemporary, but he still used this old. I thought about that media, that, right? That was it, part it, of the character. It felt, yeah, like that could have been just the way he does things. Is he uses this big old camcorder? I think it can take this alternate universe can be in any era. There were no were there cars? Did we see cars on the streets that were contemporary yeah, cars? Yeah, he drove yeah, because he drove a car. But were we did it, it we got see dinged. from the outside? Yeah, we did, didn't we? It got dinged by the truck. But it still felt vague and nondescript. Yeah, That's what I'm trying to say. I would agree. Vague and nondescript. And I like that. Yeah. Interesting. We hear crying in the background, don't yeah. we? Yeah. It's my is, daughter. Is that your daughter? Yeah. Or is it your wife? I don't know. Mm-hmm. She's doing something back yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. So did you like Good. this movie? A lot. All right. A, a lot. Yes. Those are the points I wanted to share with you. Is it anti-wave? Well, uh, I'm sorry. Let's no, do money shots. Money first. shots. Yeah. yeah. All right. You you want to go first on this? Yeah. Okay. So. Money shots. There's a great through line where in the dojo, there is a picture of, um, hey, shut that kid up. <laughs> uh, there's a picture of the was they were they calling like Grandmaster Sensei or something like that? There was a his rainbow colored belt. He has a rainbow colored. I don't belt. think they, they really had them. Like no, Robert, they yeah, they didn't have. They rainbow were different colors. You on could the belt. see where they had like uh, <laughs> so silly. He had glued it together, <laughs> the different pieces of the other belts. But uh, so they they keep cutting back to this this picture of the the Grandmaster Sensei who had died, but or disappeared or something. I can't remember the backstory, but uh, apparently he had impressed the main sensei of this dojo with every he had impressed everybody with a single index finger he had put it through somebody else's skull and he made a reputation for himself and at the very end of the movie um I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil it for anybody so casey winds up shooting the you're taking my money shot he winds up shooting what's his name the the sensei and then has this whole dialogue about, you know, it's a great monologue. It's not a dialogue, it's a monologue where he talks about all these things that he wanted to say now that now that he's dead. And the next shot is him standing in front of the corpse and the rest of the class is there and now he's leading the dojo and he's got this bloody finger and he tells everyone that he has figured out how to do the finger through the brain uh, karate move. And I just thought that was really funny and clever and probably the master sensei had done the exact same right, thing right, shot somebody right, right and the so the cycle continues right right and i thought oh man you really got me because i thought oh yeah you probably killed somebody with a single finger right and now you realize no he probably shot somebody and stuck his finger right. in the hole right and uh it just made so much more sense it was great i just really like that moment where he's standing in front of everybody and there's this dead body behind him and basically saying you're all gonna get in line or else i have to kill somebody else right right it was great i love it i love it the last uh, 10 minutes of this movie was really fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And my money shot is in the same sequence as yours, but just a little bit earlier. And that is, we should say that he challenges the sensei to a, that they're going to have a fight. An, un, an, an unarmed match unarmed to the death. match on yeah. the match, just the two of them. 
and very dramatic and getting ready and putting on the right clothes, the robe and putting on the belt and then the bow and everything. It's called a gi, Ira. Hmm? A gi, not yeah. a robe. Yeah, whatever. I'm a Jew- robe's what you get at Holiday yeah, Inn. I'm, I'm Jewish. We don't know these things. <laughs> you took karate class. Yeah, yeah, once. They told me to go home. <laughs> and they're ready to go into battle and then... We should say at the very, very beginning of the movie, he, he buys, he wants to buy a gun. Okay, we should foreshadow and just say that. Then at the end, the payoff was they're about to go into fisticuffs. That's the wrong turn, too. Jesse whips out the pistol and just fucking shoots the guy. Yeah. And that was so funny. For me, it was unexpected. Did you see I that? I knew it was I know coming. you did. I could tell from your body. You even muttered, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. I heard you mutter that. They'd set up I with a fooled. gun in the beginning. Man, I was fooled. I know they set up with a gun in the beginning. He had to do the psychological test. It wasn't ready. Blah, blah, blah. And then we saw the dramatic phone call where the, we have your gun, but he decides not to go to. Well, it does pay off, of course, at the end. I should have picked up on that. I didn't. I was fooled, and I loved it. Where... Um, where Jesse takes out the gun and just fucking wastes him away. I, I want to say I, I like movies where they try to do that. There's a a little bit of foreshadowing, and then it goes away, and they're hoping that you forget. They're hoping to distract you. To me, it was just a little too much foreshadowing. It was, uh, you know, they, they say, well, it's always good. You can always come down and buy it later. Yeah, and it was a little yeah. too much. Why are we... Why are we talking so much about buying this gun and it never you knew paying it was off? Pay off? Yeah, you knew it's going to pay off because the, the 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 dialogue is so sparse for someone to to talk that much about a thing. Right. They were really trying to make it very right. clear, and I think that was um, where I could see uh, the the flaw in it or the, the the part coming. But it was a really great moment nonetheless. And I wish more movies would try to do that. I like yeah. being fooled. I yeah. like being tricked. I was fooled. Yeah. I was fooled. You weren't. And again, that scene, just taking out a gun and just fucking blowing him away, wasting him with it. And that reminded me of uh, Indiana Jones, of course, with the famous bullwhip, right. where our hero in, yeah, just takes out the gun and just shoots him. Uh, it's not the bullwhip. The other guy has a sword and he does a big sword. That's it. It wasn't a bullwhip. No, yeah. Indiana, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah. So he's doing this whole acro ballet thing with yeah. the sword. And then they just. Well, you know all about him. ballet. Yeah. It, well, I had not enough lessons in ballet. And just karate. Boxing well, and dance. You know, I'm surprised you don't know what a gi is. Anyway, aren't you a black belt in making love? I am, but I don't like to talk about <laughs> it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd rather I don't know, talk about it. You let your you let your body do the talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the universal language of love. So we both kind of have the same money shot. I'm a little bit earlier, but it's the same sequence, the right. same overall sequence. I don't think we should go so quick from uh, talking about you making love. Well, to I the notice word I'm money trying shots. to derail you back to the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't shooting money. <laughs> but not. All right. Hey, man, is this anti-wave? Is it anti-wave? You go first. All right. All right. First, we're going to do why it is. is? <laughs> <laughs> or we're is in it? sync today, or buddy. Go, yeah, we, or isn't. Let's go why it is. Oh. Uh, all right. Why it is. There's definitely an independent feel here. Except for Jesse Eisenberg. I've not heard of any of these other actors. I don't recognize them from anything else. Uh, maybe there's some TV actors. It doesn't it feel like these a, a lot of actors in movies now are super popular people that, you, that you've never heard of. You're going, yeah. who the fuck is this? I've never seen this. And I like before. that. I I feel like it's good because they've got some talent, you know, Absolutely. and they they've got some chops that they've developed, and yet they're still kind of unknown to me. But at the same time, I don't like it because I got I feel like I'm expected to know who these people are. Right. I'm going, I can't fucking watch everything anymore. And this is not 1986 where there's only three channels. Uh, maybe four if you include Fox. There's like a thousand channels. There's a million good things on. I'm there's like, a I don't... glut of good work out there. Right. Yeah. I just, you don't have time to consume it all. Anyway, uh, I, I don't recognize any of the other players in the film, but they were all really good. He was were... real. The sensei, uh, Alessandro uh, Nivola. 
He was really good. Wasn't yeah. he great? Yeah, he was really nice. Yeah. Um, and he did a really good job of playing that role where you like him and then you turn into not liking him. That's kind of a tricky thing to do, to be likable and yet uh, start kind of becoming darker and darker and start, start alienating your yourself from the audience and becoming a true villain. You don't know whether or not this guy's going to be a hero or a villain by the end of the movie. Anyway, uh, it's directed really well. There's definitely an independent vibe to this movie. Absolutely. It's very low budget. There's no big special effects. It's something, it's, for a movie that doesn't say very much, there's very sparse dialogue, it's a talkie, which is uh, kind of unusual. There's not a big action scene. Even the big final showdown is not drawn out. That's saying, It's yeah. really a parody yeah. on that. It's yeah. uh, so short, it's... Uh, it's over super quick, so there's not a big showdown. There's a bunch of build-up to it, but the showdown itself is, uh, I don't know, maybe five seconds. It's really, f- you blink and you miss it. Right, right. So I think there's a lot of things that you would typically see in a Hollywood movie that you don't see here. Mm-hmm. There's also just some quirk, and the kind of humor that it's going for is very independent and non-Hollywood yes. structure. Yes, yes. You got anything else to add to, to, add to why that? It is? These are reasons why it is anti-wave. Number one, the way it's shot. Yeah. Number two, the dialogue just had an anti-wave vibe for me. Yeah. Uh, number three, it's disturbing. It's it's it, it. There's a disturbing quality. But that's not an anti-wave thing. But also, there's a very young. Um, I think disturbing is, is anti-wave. It's distur- Okay, good. You buy that. I don't think Hollywood puts out mm-hmm. non-disturbing movies. I mean, Jaws is disturbing, but not in that sense. It's right. Jaws is scary; it's playing on your fear, but it's not disturbing. Most of the disturbing movies I've seen are non-Hollywood. Right, right. So disturbing, and then I wrote down the word bleak. The hmm. movie had a bleak feel. First of all, do you agree that there was a bleak undercurrent? Yeah, but I, I guess I feel like I've seen Hollywood movies mm, with that are bleak. To it. So you're with me on disturbing, but not bleak. Yeah. Those are the words I came up with about why it would be anti-wave. Okay, now let's talk about why it is. Why it's not. Definitely the three-act structure. Point number one, you're reading my notes here. Three-act structure. The hero gets everything worked out in the end. Right, right. Uh, There's definitely a clear hero, definitely a clear villain, although the villain is disguised at the beginning. By the time we're we're supposed to find out that it's a villain, it's the villain. Right. Um, But that's still, yeah, you're right. But still, that's a third act, which is a wallop of a third act. But yeah. that's still... What I will say is that I do like that the romantic lead, it was never really yes. consummated. It was, How about that? There was a female, and it could have very easily just been played by a male. It didn't need to be And a I'm female. so glad that there was no romantic love interest between those two. I was waiting for it to happen. It was right. refreshing. It didn't. Yeah. The movie wasn't going there. Kudos to the movie for making that choice. And so in, in the end, her character really just became a female character as right. opposed to a... Uh, I mean, I, I, every movie that we see, we, the female is really only there to serve the the male to bounce off the, the male uh, sexually, and we didn't need it here. That's it right. was asexual. That's really interesting, Robert. That could have been played by a male character, couldn't have. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even be surprised if that was originally written for a, a male character. Oh, I can I can tell you this: that the director has not done much. I guess it couldn't but, have been because there's so many lines about it being a female and not being male. Right. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, I want to tell you that his then girlfriend was supposed to play that part. Oh. And they were living together. They broke up, so he got somebody else to be oh. in the film. Just a <laughs> I know. Yeah. Boy, he showed her. Yeah. Yeah, bitch. I guess she showed her. Yeah. Yeah. She. Sure. I like how you just automatically jump on his side. Well, yeah. Fucking bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the greatest lines in the whole movie was, uh, uh, and it, he said, I, I finally 
discovered that she can never be a man because she's a woman. <laughs> that was laugh out loud funny. That was laugh. There were a lot of lines like that. There were a lot of lines like that. Yeah. The only other thing I came up with about why it is not anyway was because it starred Jesse, who is, I, I know you semi buy that argument, that, but he's, he's a known actor and he's a main, major player. But he's done so, a lot of independent but films But he has too. done independent films as well. Um, I mean, he's got his foot in that. And I, I like that he's not playing his typical asshole role. It is kind of. It is kind of a variation, but it's not the same kind of asshole that we've seen so many times before. Yeah, he he has moments where he's kind of a dick, uh, and he plays that really well. That's how he is in real life. I think so. Oh, he I is get that, that feeling. Yeah, he's difficult to like. He comes across as real arrogant on the talk shows. Yeah, not a nice guy, just very self-absorbed. You can see that in yeah. him. Yeah, and but he was really good in this film. It was. He was perfect. To Wasn't play that he part. a kid actor from way, way back? No, I don't think so. Oh, I think so, man. Really? I think he's been around. Like he and his really? sister. His sister was. Uh, do you remember? I think his sister was the girl who, back in like the early '90s, or maybe late '90s. There was a girl who had dimples and she had real curly hair. Not Curly Sue, but kind of similar to Curly Sue. But she had real, real curly hair. And there were all these commercials on the. Uh, like the independent film channel and um, and like I think there was like toothpaste or something where she would play the director and she was like real spoiled and she would always be like I want it this way and she would act like a spoiled brat and that was Jesse Eisenberg's sister really yeah and so he too was also active in the industry as yeah, a kid I, think, I didn't know I think that he was a child actor I did not know that he's difficult to like as a person but he was good in this film it was obviously a good fit yeah. for him I actually like him. I think, Do you? Yeah, I understand why he's alienating. I really get that. Um, but there's something about him that I kind of like. I like that he... Uh, it's like he knows everyone hates him, but he doesn't give a fuck. And I think there's something... But you want to have lunch with him? I would, yeah. I, th- I think I would actually be able to have a good conversation with him and be like... I think I think he gets a bum rap, but I, I understand he does it to himself that causes right, that right, bum rap. right, right. He could get away with being a nicer guy. Right, right. So those are our reasons for being not anti-wave and anti-wave. Yeah. What would you give it on the anti-wave scale? This is tricky. I. This is tricky. It is tricky. I think I would go... I'm going to go six. I'm going to go six. It's yeah. slightly more anti-wave than it isn't. Um, and I, I just feel like it's, uh, it's, it's an anti-wave. I could even go Absolutely. six point five. Yeah, yeah, I could see great. it up there. Yeah, I had six point three. Yeah, I came up with six again. The way it shot, the dialogue had definitely had an indie feel to it, uh, disturbing and so on. That uh, overall, the feeling, the feeling was uh, anti-wave. But a good movie and definitely worth checking out. Oh yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. And a packed theater, if you notice. how about that Sold on a Sunday? Theater. Yeah, not on a Friday or Saturday, but it was packed. It was full on a Sunday evening. I think this is one of those movies that um, I don't know. Like I said, I think if you. If you liked, sorry to bother you. If you like some of those kind of, uh, if you like rubber, if you like r- these kind of alternate worlds, uh, Lobster was very much the same way. These kind of alternate world world movies. Then this is in that same that same fit. Um, Swiss Army Man, things like that. I still never saw Swiss Army Man. Yeah, I need to see that movie. Yeah, you remember? Nice. What, you remember what I told you about? Swiss oh Army yeah, Man. we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the director said about it? What did the director say about he it? He said that um, he wanted the movie to begin with a fart that would make you laugh and he wanted it to end with a fart that would make you cry and it does and, uh, that. and the fart at the end cries uh, you cry because yeah. it's because yeah. he's farting at yeah. the end yeah yeah it's really it, it's well, worth he, checking out 
Is he dead at the end? He's dead at he's the beginning. He's dead the whole time. He's dead the whole time. So the beginning makes it lots of very interesting, but the far at the end, you feel an emotional. There's an emotional, emotional moment. Fart. An emotional fart. Yeah. Ah, uh, expelling gas <laughs> never made me feel so. All right, never mind. Okay. Hey, man, who died this week? Hey, got to tell you, unfortunately, must the following people they done turned to dust. We lost the following people in the entertainment industry the last seven days, and I want to put out a call to everyone in the industry to please hurry up and croak, so I'll have more to say. You keep saying that. Well, and last then, week we had yeah two know, weeks. Rip Torn died. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, it was Rip Taylor. Ah, just kidding. Okay. Uh, we lost uh, Richard Carter, 65-year-old Australian actor, Robert. He was in Mad Max Fury Road. Do you have any idea who he was? Richard he was Car- in The Great hold, hold Gatsby. Uh, did other Australian movies. Richard Carter in one of your favorite films. I'm not, fact, I'm not sure who he was. Yeah, well, he's dead. Probably like one of the uh, the the bullet farmer or the, uh, the guy from Gastown. Well, I had to break it to you. He's, he's no longer. Charles Levin, a 70-year-old American actor. This guy has really done a lot. He was in the movie, um, he was in the sitcom, Alice. He did a lot of TV with Hill Street Blues and so on. But he was in a lot of movies, including Annie Hall. Uh, he was in This is Spinal Tap. And uh, again, a huge roster of films in his life. Charles Levin, 70 years old. And the Silver Spotlight Award. By the way, week, it was The Bullet Farmer. It was? You were right. Yeah. So was he like an old craggly guy, kind of weathered? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, that's who it was. Hey, I don't know if you heard about this. What's that? Silver Spotlight Award. Kirk Douglas died. Did he really? Kirk Douglas died. You probably didn't hear about it. It was on the news coming over here while I was barking in my car. He's dead and did a lot of great stuff. No. And you know what? I really liked him in uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, where he had that striped shirt. He was just great in that movie. I liked him anyway, in Spartacus. Yeah, whatever. He's dead. Okay, let's move on. Wow, that... I feel like you could have done a little bit more. I, I mean, think I did. They say I'm not eloquent or articulate. Did you not research anything about him? Hey, or? I gave him his due credit. Back off. All right. Okay. All right. Got to back off. Yeah. Hey, man, you want to play a game? A game. Yeah. This is a less of a game, but uh, more of a talking point, as if we need more things to talk <laughs> about. Producer Joey has uh, created Who's the Bad Guy? So here's the... Uh, here She's going to give us a synopsis. We need to guess the movie and try to identify who is the bad guy in this movie. I hope, right. I, I hope I've seen the movie. All right. So here's the here's the synopsis. It's the story of a hopeful, dedicated karate enthusiast whose dreams and moxie take him all the way to the All Valley Karate Championship. I think we already know where this is. Yeah, how do you know it's not in my top five? <laughs> he loses the fight to a new student who uses an illegal move, but he learns an important lesson about gracefully accepting defeat. Now, wait a minute. The illegal move? Does Dan- Danielson does the illegal move. He kicks him in the face. Right. Right, that well the the other guy does a, an illegal move too. That they try to sweep the leg. There's a lot of problems with this is Karate Kid, right? Yeah, the, the original. Yeah, I think the so. one with Ralph Ralph Macchio. Macchio, yeah. So, and I think too, like, okay, who is the bad guy here? Is it is it the blonde kid? Is it the guy who's in charge of the uh, the dojo? The what is it? The Cobra Kai's, right? The you look lost. No, I am. But who's the rival that he goes against? The big climax. It's the is that the blonde kid? The blonde kid. Yeah, yeah. He would be the antagonist, wouldn't he? Well, no. Wait, is it him? No, it's not him because he's on the sidelines, and that's the other ones are like, we're gonna put him in a body bag, sweet delay, Johnny, like all that. So but, right. So, th- but okay, he's not, he's ahead. definitely a Cobra Kai that he's going up against. I can't remember if it's the blonde kid or not. I think it is the blonde kid. 
But, uh, you know, one might argue that, uh, you know, who who is the karate kid within all of that? Is it is it Ralph Macchio or is it the blonde kid who was doing all the karate? So, you know, is, is the karate kid the name of the movie? Is it... I, and Producer Joe and I were talking about this earlier. I guess that was a scene from... Um, from how I met your mother, they were kind of talking about that. Like, who is the Karate Kid? Is it? Uh, That's really interesting. What do you think? It's not Ralph. Well, first of all, I want to make an overall umbrella statement, and that's this: I like the fact that we have trouble identifying protagonist antagonist because I think that's human nature. It's all about shades of gray. Yeah. Just like in the real world, and I think smart movies are written that way, where it's not real clear. Of course, I always thought the Karate Kid is Ralph Macchio; that he would be the Karate Kid. But you can make an argument that it's it's the opponent. Is that where you're going? Yeah. Is the Karate Kid. Um, for the sake of simplicity, I would suggest that the the guy, he, the rival he goes against at the end of the film, traditionally would be the antagonist. But I, I'd like to dig deeper than that. Well, I can also make the argument lens. that isn't, uh, Danielson is such an asshole at the beginning. He's such a little whiny brat that he's kind of the antagonist as well. And then so is, uh, what's the what's the sensei's name? I, I forgot his name. What's the... Uh, Oh, the aging uh, guy, yeah. Uh, master, uh, yeah. wipe it on, wipe it off. Wax on, wax off. Wax on. That's it. Wipe, wax. Same thing. Yeah, same thing. What's his name? Mister uh, Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I was gonna say Master Splinter. <laughs> you like? They all look alike. Master <laughs> Splinter's a rat from Teenager. Oh, Ninja is that Turtles. where you got that? Yeah. From? Um. All right. Here, here's another one. Well, wait. I want to say one more thing. Yeah. Go. Can't we make the argument that Ralph Macchio is the antagonist? That's what I just said. Oh, you did. I have to listen to you more. That it's all about his inner demons. Yeah. It's all about his inner. And he's demons. also a brat for half the movie. The first. Yeah. He's. Yeah. 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 He. Kind of, he's acting like a spoiled child. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about this one? The story of. Story of the romance between a small indie bookstore owner and a large commercial bookstore owner and the struggle to be relevant. Okay, so this is... Uh, you've Didn't got, we see this movie? We did. Well, first of all, is it You've Got Mail or Little Shop Around the Corner? Or is it one of those two? Oh, I don't know. Well, Producer Joey? The the shop... Was it the There's British little shop- one that, that we saw? Was that called Shop Around the Corner? Oh, you're right. The bookshop. The book that was called the bookstore. The bookstore, as opposed to little shop around the corner. And then we have uh, you've got mail. Okay, so of those three, I think you're right. This is the bookstore, which was that the bookshop. Is it the bookshop? I think so. Producer Joey. Well, she's that's our 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 goal. All right. So is that who's the who's the villain there? Because she moves into the small town. Let's figure. Oh no, it's you've got mail. Oh, you've right. got mail. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, well, it's. Th- I don't think I've seen this movie since it came out. Me too. I, I liked it. it. I enjoyed it. I, yeah, it was cute. But um, isn't the the whole thing with the uh, the big corporation that's taking over mm-hmm. this little place, right? So it's all this about um, that whole part of that. So who's the villain? Thing. The the corporation. Why? Because they want to expand and money. Oh, so that makes them a villain because they want more money? I see what you're doing right now. You're giving Doesn't me a hard she time, want money? I mean, she, she wants want, money, she too. She just wants Tom. Oh. <laughs> she just wants Tom. Yeah. She doesn't care about the bookshop? No, no. Well. Why are they the villain? Because we like to paint them that way. Right. It's because that's traditional story structure. Because it's anti-corporation there bullshit. That's right. Propaganda, man. Yeah, yeah. Propaganda. Don't believe it. Hmm. 
Interesting. I guess it's all according to whose side you're on. I don't think there is a villain there. Or it's her, that bitch. She won't sell her fucking shop. <laughs> she, you know she's not going to be making any money. Yeah, well, she was cute until she had all that plastic surgery. Yeah, she's starting to look a little weird, huh? Oh, she was looking weird right after the surgery. It's yeah. a shame. She was America's sweetheart. She was. Yeah, not anymore. Who, who is now? Julia Roberts. Well, that, no, Julia Roberts no, was wait, America's she, sweetheart before yeah, that. Okay. Before? Julia no, Roberts, no, I feel no. like, has been America's it's sweetheart been since Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman was like then 91, is, 92. Who is America's sweetheart then? I don't know. Maybe, oh, I know. It's what's her name? In the Sandra Bullock? Movie. Yeah, I was just going to say. In the, the yeah. Blind, yeah, Sandra Bullock. She has a horse face. Really? Don't you think so? Oh. She looks kind of horsey. Sandra Bullock. How about this one? What? A movie focusing on a man who offers questionable loans to the locals when a bank owner refuses to offer mortgages beyond their means. Can you identify the movie? Mm, i trying to figure out what that is. A movie focusing on a man who offers questionable loans to the locals when a bank owner refuses to offer mortgages beyond their means. All wait, the- wait. Could that be... Yeah, the 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 Christmas movie, the every isn't oh, that, isn't that uh, what do you call it? It's a, a mirror, wonderful, it's, no, a, it's wonderful a wonderful life. life, wonderful life. Isn't that am I right, producer Joey? That's got to be what it is, right? It's a wonderful life. Whoa! Yeah, that's what she went. The only other movie I could think of was uh, uh, was thinner, but I was like, she's not going to put thinner on here. Thinner. thinner All right, or, so it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Who's the bad guy in? Or who's the well, according to basic one hundred and one screenwriting one hundred and one story structure, it would be the. Um, the corporation that wants to, um, what do they want to do? They want to, to take, put, take over the bank or whatever right, and put them out of business. Right, right. Yeah. Because the bank is going to be what, foreclosed on right. or whatever George it is. Bailey was going to jump off the bridge. But right. He wanted, and it was wonderful but it idea. sounds like, he, I mean, he's really his own antagonist. He's like, oh, woe is me. And he's going to kill himself and leave his family fucking stranded. What an asshole. Right? That's interesting. I don't disagree with you. I'm sorry. Uh, what's that? Oh, he wanted to do it for the life insurance money. So he wanted to scam oh my God, for the life insurance. So he wanted money. to scam the system. Yeah. See, who's the real bad guy now? Isn't it interesting that in so many of these films that where we see wealthy, successful business people, it's so easy to label them as the bad people. Yeah. And and I think you and I talked about this once before, not on the podcast about how I think there was a time where we used to put wealthy people, those who achieve success in our lifetime, on a pedestal. Now we demonize them. I think that's true. Do you agree with that? I do. Not only do we look down, we fucking demonize yeah. those who are successful. I think it but also stems from America on a broader scale. I don't think that we're comfortable being number one. I think there's something within our fiber of enjoying the climb up the ladder and now that we've been a superpower, I think we're uncomfortable with stuff. And this gets into like foreign relations with other countries and things like that. Um, and I think we've always idolized people who are climbing up and who are trying to become rich. Uh, I think we've always had a little bit of a problem with people who are already there. But as right. long as we see the climb happening, we're right. okay. Right. And I, I do think we've had a, we've always had a problem with that. But the people who were rich were to be respected. It was like, man, you've already completed your climb. Yes, and that's gone. Yeah. That's gone. They're demonized If it's a corporation, now. then they can be demonized because they're faceless. Right? There's no one person that you can really point a finger at. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, man, George Bailey's an asshole. He is committing suicide, leaving his family. He's leaving Donna Reed. What a selfish, arrogant bastard. Did you ever hear the real famous... Um, 
description of the Wizard of Oz. Um, give me just a minute. Let me you pull got it. it. Up. You, uh, filibuster for just a minute. I'm going to filibuster. Yeah, tell me, tell me your thoughts about George Bailey while I look up this review. Okay, all right. You do you research really fast. Okay, Robert. Yeah. <sighs> George Bailey, as I said, arrogant, self-absorbed. Who would want to commit suicide? Which I think is a very self-righteous act, and it means I'm more important, and it doesn't matter those I'm leaving behind. And I had that same reaction with Robin Williams when he hung himself. How dare he do that, leaving behind his wife, his family? Okay, Wait, Robert, it. I'm not done. <laughs> that it is a very the Wizard self- of Oz. But I'm right. not finished. The listeners <laughs> want to hear what I have to say. No, I'm waxing it. poetically. Transported to a surreal landscape, a young girl kills the first person she meets and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. That's very funny. That's very where do you find that? Where do you find that? <laughs> it's a real That's... famous um description of the Wizard of Oz. Uh, I think it was like in some um uh, not Reader's Digest. What's the old TV guide? Uh, I think it was somebody had written. They were being clever. That's very witty, funny. Somebody wrote that. What does she do? She kills the bat. She kills the, the um, first person first, she yeah, meets. Yeah, and then teams which, up with three strangers to, to, to kill, kill again. To kill again. That's very. And funny. that's true. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of how you see the movie. Yeah. And I think here with this, it's uh, same thing. If you look at it's a wonderful life, I think you could find a totally different. You, you know, a scam, and this guy is like you know ripping off insurance companies and wow. committing fraud. It's people like him. That's why have, people have to pay so much every go. year for their insurance. Asshole. Premium. Premium rates are going Those up. Those people should take their money George back. Bailey. You remember at the end, they all donated all the money. Yeah, I know. What's up with Fuck that? Fuck that. Take yeah. your dollar bill back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Look, mommy said every time an angel gets its wings. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Let's do some top five. <laughs> and hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. Okay, our top five this week is top five martial arts movies. Yes, indeed. Who wants to go first? Well, yeah. Um, I have a feeling yours is going to be total shit. Hey. I have a feeling. uh, Maybe I'm wrong. I'm going to surprise you with a few of them. Mm. But this was not easy. You know, I'm the one who came up with the suggestion. I know. Even though it's pretty obvious that that's what it was because the movie that we saw. But uh, I came up with it and I thought, wait a minute. I don't know if I've seen five movies. (laughs) uh, This movie is not in my top five, but it, it might have been in another universe pardon my my pun there then i think i could probably put this movie uh, this movie was really good i really enjoyed it i did too a lot Uh, okay uh you go first with number five my number five i think i've actually mentioned a couple times on this uh, podcast before i love this movie it's from 1985 i could watch it anytime it's on jim kata this centered around i think it was the 1984 olympic winner of the um the pummel horse and he was a gymnast, and it, they basically created a whole new style of martial arts around this. I can't even remember his name, but he, uh, the the storyline is that he has to go into this. He has to go through this obstacle course to get to this uh, this town of the crazies, and then survive for a period of time. And whoever does this whole con- they have this yearly contest, and whoever survives the longest will be awarded whatever prize that they want. They can make one request to the king that the king has to um, say yes to. And what's happened is that some American spies have been captured. And in order to get them out, they have to send in this guy who is a master of Gymkata to go in and survive the, uh, the, the obstacle course and then survive the town of the crazies. And he's using this new style of martial arts called Gymkata in order to Did you survive. talk about this movie before? I did. Yeah. yeah I've talked yeah, about it before. Yeah. It's, it's really bad, but really great. It's n- total 1985. It's awesome. 
Jim Cotta. They used to play it on TBS all the time. That's that's what I saw. It so is Jim Cotta the name of that particular? That's uh, the name of the ty- style of martial arts. The style, of which martial is not arts. a real style of right, martial right, arts. Right, right, right. I got that. But and of course, in the middle of the town, there's happens to be a pummel horse just set up, and for that's no particular funny. reason. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Let me ask my signature question. Do you think we're going to overlap? No. No, we ain't overlapping. No, I think we may on one. No. No? No. Not even the obvious one? Okay. All right. No. I think we will on one. Okay. No. Uh, by number five, I saw it in a theater when it first came out, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, I guess we will overlap. Oh. Do you really have that? No, I don't. I didn't like that movie. I Well, did, you know what? I didn't either, damn it, but I saw it, and I have it as my number five. I, That's the best I can come up with. I get that it was beautiful, but so many people sucked that movie's dick. It yeah. just kind of ruined it for me. It was like... All I remember, all I remember is people standing on tree limbs. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And that image just stayed with me. Uh, saw it in the that was your money shot. Year, that was my money shot. Yeah. Uh, saw it in the theater in the year 2000. And I want to say that was directed by Ang Lee, who also did Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. So um, He I did just The Ice Storm. That was a really good yes, movie, too. Yes, he did direct Ice Storm as well. So you, Did I'm, you see Ice Storm? No, I didn't. Oh, you would love The Ice Storm. It's about a bunch of swingers and stuff, man. Send me home with it. Yeah, I don't know, you that, but you'd like it. Okay. It was good. Ice it's been a while since I've seen it, but I really liked it. So I saw it in the theater, so I'm putting it down as my number five, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. All right. All right. My number four is another movie that I've mentioned on this podcast quite a bit. And this was my first understanding of who Jackie Chan was, 1995, Rumble in the Bronx. And uh, I had never heard or seen Jackie Chan before. When that movie came out, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This was unlike any other style of martial arts movies or fight movies or anything like that. He just used so many I remember him beating a guy up with a freezer door and I was so impressed with how the fuck do you do that it, it was just so fast and and fun and then the outtakes at the end and the credits where he's uh getting hurt and breaking his leg and things like that it's it's a great fun movie Rumble in the Bronx it's a good one and of course then you know you start to learn about all his, all his others one of my scoops is uh The Drunken Master which is a great Jackie Chan movie back from uh late 70s early 80s you know, Jackie Chan actually was, uh, he fought against Bruce Lee. Did you know this? Did he really? Yeah. No, not, f- not in real life, but in the movies. Like, he had a scene. Where, they were in a movie together? Yeah. And he, he, had a, he was an extra, and he got kicked, uh, he got his butt kicked by Bruce Lee. And you know who else had a scene with, with Bruce Lee that got his butt kicked was uh, Chuck Norris. Wow. Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee had an wow. extended fight scene. There you go. Anyway. There are a lot of movies. There's hundreds of them. All these Asian films, you yeah. know, with the word dragon in there, mm-hmm. fists. The, and I'm, you know, I, I used to put on puppet shows. So I'm built in a different way. Yeah. And this was not the best suggestion for me. But however, <laughs> after Crouching Tiger, my number four, and there is martial arts in this film, Taken. Yeah. He does. I, yeah. And I really, I'm working hard on this to make this work. But in the year 2000, by the way, you know who wrote that? I forgot. You know this. Luke, yeah, Luke, Luke Besson. Besson. He wrote the screenplay. Uh, Liam Neeson. And there are indeed um, scenes where he does uh, demonstrate martial arts. Yeah, okay. And I, I read up on it and I read a paragraph saying that he, he did a blend of different styles of martial arts in the, in the film. So I'm using that. that as my number four. Whew. That's my number four. Um. Uh, my number three is a a movie I don't think that you've seen. It's from Indonesia, I want to say. It's from 2011 called The Raid Redemption. Do you know The Raid? No. So it's a um, 
the basic premise is that the I think it's like a, a cop that's going in that is there's like a whole gang of people that are looking for um, this cop who's in hiding and he's trying to evade this gang and he's in a building and can't get out and he keeps like having to go up different floors and trying to hide in different people's apartments and things like that and he's running from apartment to apartment and they're trying to find him and some other people that he's with and they're going to kill him if they find him and there's some really good fight scenes in there there's some really really fun there's one scene in particular where he's hiding behind a false wall and this guy is coming through and taking this giant sword and stabbing through the wall and the last it, it gets closer and closer and they kind of scrunch up in in their little hidden um, uh, area and the last sword kind of uh, punch kind of comes through and cuts our hero just like nicking his cheek uh, with this sword and it's like building up that tension it's a really really fun action movie and a ton of martial arts so <laughs> check out the raid that's a good one yeah, we're not going to overlap at all, are no, we? We're not no, we're definitely not. Because my number three is a film that we've already spoken about in this podcast. Mm. The Karate Kid. Ah. The original one, of course, 1984. Wipe on, wipe off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it wipe? No, it's wax. <laughs> wipe on, wipe off. Wipe on, wipe off is what I do to my daughter. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Ralph Macho. You know, I forgot Elizabeth Shue was in this movie. Oh, Did yeah? You? Yeah, I forgot that she was in I that. forgot that, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, now, do you know who, who the third Karate Kid was? No. Anyone who became did famous? You, did you see any, the other Karate Kid? No, I just saw the first one. You know, one. part two picks up right where part right, one left right. off. Right, I didn't see that. And then part uh, three was with Hilary Swank. She's the the, the new shoot. Karate Kid. Wow. Yeah, it was Hillary. one of her first movie roles. Wow, wow, wow. Obviously, Ralph, Ralph Baccio was in this, Elizabeth Shue, and so on. I do want to say that when it came out in 1984, it was an important film. Mm. And it was it got a strong buzz and people flocked to see it. It was also directed by uh, John Alvidson, who people, everyone thinks that Sylvester Stallone directed the first Rocky movie. He didn't. It was John who directed that film. Yeah, he had to John act in it. That was his yes, condition. Was his, he wanted to act in it. Write it and act in it. Yes, yeah. that he agreed they wouldn't, he wouldn't let him sell it to get a, a named actor in it. So it was directed by John and who also did Rocky and Save the Tiger. I love that film. The Karate Kid, I'm putting that down as my number three martial arts movie. I have a movie from 2011 as my number two and it's a movie with Joel Egerton, Nick Nolte and Tom Hardy. I'll give you a dollar if you go figure out what this one is. I like Joel Egerton. Go ahead. It's a really great movie called Warrior. And it's about two... Warriors. Yeah, not warriors, but warrior. And uh, although I think I could make the case for warriors having some good martial arts in it, but I'm going to let that go. Warrior is about um, these two brothers who are both MMA fighters and they're part of a contest that... um, It's a mixed martial arts kind of tournament and as they both succeed in the tournament, it's looking more and more likely that they're going to have to show down against each other in the final. And they have a very different styles of fighting, and they they don't really want to fight against one another. Um, but there's some tension between the brothers and kind of vying over uh, their, their, I think, dead father's uh, attention. And uh, there's a lot of like this kind of brotherly tension that's going on throughout the whole movie. And of course, each each time they win, they get closer and closer to having to fight each other in the final showdown. It's a great movie. You'd really like it. It's a good one. Warrior. Warrior. Yeah. Do you have it? What year was it? 2011. Well, no, we're not going to overlap at all. No, we're not. All right. You can figure out my number two. 
1999. No, go ahead. I thought you'd guess. No, The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right. Uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, directed by the, how do you say, the Wachowski brothers, sisters, brothers, sisters, <laughs> whatever they are, okay. And obviously the computer hacker who um, who finds out what is real, what is reality and what is not. And then, of course, he takes on the role of fighting a, a war against those who are in control. Oh, that was a pretty good summary. Yeah. And, you know, I w- yes, indeed, there is karate. There certainly are a lot of martial arts. And it, it, it did become a signature almost like the logo of the film with the slow motion stuff done with the rotoscope and going back and oh, falling back with the bullets flying around so on that we do see martial arts and it was it was sure. a hell of a movie in its time. Well, there's and even so, just that whole scene where he's training him, yes, right? Yes, yes. So that is, that's my number two, All Matrix. Right. My number one is a movie from 2008. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time and I never talk about it. It's written and directed by David Mamet. David Mamet yes. wrote and directed a movie with karate or yes. martial arts. Yes. David Mamet? Yes. I thought he would just like talk about it. I know, right? <laughs> and there's a lot of talking, but it is a... Wow. Wait, I'm intrigued. I really am. Do you think I've heard of it? Mm, I don't know. It got a little bit of buzz, Oscar buzz. Tim Allen is in it, believe it or not. It's, it's, very, it's a very odd movie. It's a movie called Red Belt. Have you heard of Red Belt? No, no. Um, it's about a... Uh, a karate instructor who winds up getting a job in the film business and then um, his, he needs more money. I think it's like some f- personal financial problems or something and he's got a, uh, like his family and so he has to take these uh, prize bouts. He's got to like actually go compete in mixed martial arts competitions in order to put food on the table and, it's, and he doesn't want to. He's reluctant to, to go fight. And uh, it's a really, really good character uh, study. It's it's wow. beautifully done. It's of course it's Mammoth, so it's perfectly well written and it's uh, really well directed. I think Mammoth has some problems sometimes in his direction style because uh, you know we've talked about it before. Mammoth doesn't allow people to adjust any of the word. I was talking any of the words that he wrote. I was talking before in this podcast about. Um, about contractions, and I find that a lot of times when people don't use contractions in their uh, in their speech, it winds up feeling very forced and stiff. And the movie that we reviewed today, Art of Self Defense, did that. And I think this movie, I, he does that often. He'll uh, David Mamet will um, will have people not use contractions, and it felt it feels stiff most of the time. But in this movie, it was directed well enough, and the actors did a strong enough job to not make it feel that kind of stiff and it felt much, a lot more natural and believable uh, and I think that's actually kind of a tall order when you ask an actor to say it exactly as things are written and not mess up any words right um, that's I think you you could start to see whether an actor has real chops or not right and this movie delivers it's really really good I think it's one of Mammoth's best and again it's called Red Belt Red Belt yeah wow nice Makes me want to see it again. I haven't seen it in a while. I should bust that movie out. It was on Netflix for a while. I'm not sure if it's still there. I'll have to check that out if it's streaming. You can find it. David Mamet's, I think, his greatest. Red Belt. I'm surprised. Was that your number one? No. <laughs> Do we overlap, Ira? I knew we'd overlap, but I thought we were going to overlap with my number one. Oh. And I'm surprised it's not in your top five. Oh. 2003. 2003. Oh, Matrix Reloaded. No. Got yeah. it. Oh. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. No. Tarantino Kill Bill yeah oh. Kill Bill the first one I thought about volume I, I decided to go with volume one Tarantino with um, 
um, with Uma, Uma Thurman playing uh, the bride, right? right? That was the character's name. And what happens? She she wakes up after a four-year coma. She's a former assassin, and she decides to get her revenge on the other bad assassins who, who fucked her over. This is an incredible film, and I like all the, the set pieces, and they pay homage to other films as right. well. And it's, Even it's, her outfit is an homage to the Bruce Lee films how about where she that? wears the yes, all-yellow yes. outfit. And it's cool, it's hip, it's smart, it's sexy, it's fun. I think it's a hell of a movie. Kill Bill Volume 1 is my number one. I like Kill Bill. I, I The only problem that I have with it is it feels a little bit... This is where Tarantino starts to kind of... He starts to go a little... Of what he say? A little overboard? Well, just off the rails. <laughs> I don't mind the overboardness of the action and things like that, but it's a little... he. He knows he's the golden boy at this point. He knows that he could do no wrong, and and so he's he's being gratuitous, not with a violence, but with the film and doing two parts and like. Originally, it was going to be. I did some research. It was going to be one film. You probably right. know that, but it was over four hours long. I'll tell you what I didn't like about it. People suck this movie's dick, but go back and watch it. And when I think I might have said this before, but when Uma Thurman finally gets to Bill and she sits down with him and they have this conversation, they start talking about comic books. And it's this very clear, like, shut up, Tarantino. This is you're not being true to these characters. These characters do not read comic books. They don't they don't have time for that shit. If these are truly spy right. assassins, right. Right. they're not reading they're not keeping up with the latest issue of of the Fantastic Four. They're not doing that. And he he is because he likes pop culture, and this is a movie for movie people and movie geeks to to masturbate to. And that's what I liked about Pulp Fiction is that the dialogue really fit the characters, and the characters had conflict because they were each line was kind of carefully crafted, and it all came from Tarantino. And they would talk about you know Royale with cheese, but it felt like two people having a real conversation right. about. Here it was forced, and these characters wouldn't say that. Exactly. That's not who they are. They're assassins. And there's a they lot of conversations that are right. that are overly forced, and it's trying to be too cute and clever. Right. I understand that. I understand. In fact, I agree with that. But I don't care. I'm keeping that as my number one because I can come up with anything. Sure. Else. Yeah. No problem. A, yeah. Yeah. And don't get me it's wrong. So some, of the, some of the, it's so much fun. And so it's, much of those martial arts scenes are are great. They like are the crazy. Eighty eights or whatever. Those are, that whole sequence yeah. is yeah. incredible. Um, but I just have a problem. That, to me, that's when it started. Kind of everybody sounds like Tarantino in a Tarantino movie at that point on. Right. And I, it wasn't that way in Reservoir Dogs. It wasn't that way in Pulp Fiction. It wasn't that way in Jackie Brown. Everybody felt like individuals and well-rounded characters. But Nor from Glorious Bill, Bastards. That, in Glorious Bastards, they all felt right, like... Uh, was, they, to me, they felt more like uh, Tarantino at that point. They all felt like Tarantino. However, I, it, they, I think Christoph Waltz kind of brought something to it that made it a little bit more his own. But you could hear... Um, I don't know, Brad Pitt. It sounded like Tarantino's Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it. I don't know. It just everybody starts to sound like a variation of of Tarantino, right? Not themselves, not the actual character. I'm going to be interested to see what what he does. I know this week. I know, and, uh, and maybe we should a start very to good tip segue. That's a really a nice bit. transition into what we're doing next week. Yeah, next yeah, week we're going to do 
What's it called? Uh, you're asking, you don't think I know the name of it? No, you, you don't. Uh, okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Uh, is it uh, To Live and Die in Hollywood? Something no, it's like called that? Once Wait, Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. I knew the word Hollywood. <laughs> to Live and Die in L.A. is yeah, a different movie from the 1980s. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, the new Tarantino movie. So we'll, it's we'll be reviewing Dome. that. You know, it's at the Dome Theater here. Mm. Uh, has there been any buzz? Have you got, I read, I, yeah, I think everybody's anticipating this movie well, I know that, lot. but the, the reviews, they haven't come out yet. We're going to be the first. This is exciting. Yeah. I can't go. Let's go tonight to see it. No. Or does it come out till Friday? There were some or, or the screenings oh. on Facebook. Some people oh. already saw it. It's who you know. Oh. I can get you in. <laughs> Quentin and I were like that. The big Q? Yeah. the big. I call him the Q man. Oh. I call him Q-tip. Did you? I'm going to ask about any uh, extra movies. Hey, I was lucky to come up with my five. I had a feeling you did not but have But actually, I'm going to surprise you. There's two others I did come up with. Mm. Um Billy Jack. Did you ever see yes, Billy Jack? Yeah. And I think there were karate scenes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was definitely a martial arts movie. Yeah. Hey, I should have put that in. So, that right. movie's horrible. That movie's like so that. bad. But the spirit of that. <laughs> uh-huh. Besides, I like the song. One Tin Soldier Rides Away. You know, do, 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 that movie could not do, be more do, 70s. Do, do, do. They, I know. They, they talk about that yeah. a lot on the Adam Carolla podcast, that movie. Yeah. And. It's so true. There's so like, yeah. it's, it just well, the, go back hippie, and watch it. The hippie school for the kids, right? On an Indian reservation, there's Tom Laughlin, you know, with his black hat and his girlfriend. They ended up married. Taylor, her last name was Taylor. Yeah, she was the hippie with the blonde. She hair, gets raped down by the river. Spoken. She gets, yeah. So, um, and and the bad guys are so stereotypical bad guys. That's an interesting criticism. The yeah. bad people are super bad, and the good people are too noble. Right. And we talked earlier about the gradations, shades of gray, which is more normal, yeah. like real people. This movie lacks that quality, where it's too splintered and obvious. And remember, there and were there were sequels to that movie. Oh, it was yeah. like Billy Jack goes to Washington, yeah, and yeah. like all these yeah. other Billy Jack movies. Yeah. There were like five, four or five of them. Cool song though, mm, yeah. I guess. Uh, and the other, my only other scoop. Actually, was, a, a lot of those '70s songs from, from those movies just they make me roll my eyes of like, yeah, what but the that fuck, final man? scene, you know, go ahead and hate your neighbor. Mm, go uh, ahead and okay, see, right. you've swollen that '70s right, right, hippie right. bullshit. Yeah, come on, You're, I that was my era. The Bourne Ultimatum of the Bourne movies. That one did have some. So it was the born identity, yeah. the born supremacy, right. and the born ultimatum. This ultimatum, and he was trained. In the, he, I read, did some research on yeah. this. I'm not just tossing it out there, but there were scenes where he did a blend of different martial arts sure. against the bad guys. So that too could have been included. Those are my two scoops. I you, liked all three of those movies, the born movies. Oh yeah. I mean, I know they made another they, one that. Yeah. They made another one. They made two more. One that had nothing to do with him. It was like the same universe, that, right? But it was a different spy, and then the newborn new is just called Born, I think, and uh, and that one was not quite as good, but ultimatum jiggly camera work, jiggly jiggly. It's a jiggly camera. Yeah, what all do you right. Have for scoops, uh, I think I already mentioned the drunken master. That's all. I'm sure people are going to write in and give us a bunch. We'll talk about how much those movies suck because we don't watch them. Anyway, uh, I don't watch them. You know them. I I've seen a few. A lot of those movies just feel so repetitive. Just you're watching. And what I like about Jackie Chan is I feel like I'm watching interesting, new, innovative stunts, and to me that's that's worth watching. But a lot of them, it's just um, punches that are way too fast. It's very yes, unrealistic. Yes, you talked about that. You talked. And about I don't that. like that. It. Um. I love action movies. I love good action movies, but I don't like where it's. Well, let me show you how fast I can move my fists because no one fights like that. Right. I right. mean, even if you had two skilled 
Or go go watch an MMA fight. And these are very skilled fighters. They don't fight like that. That's you know that was your criticism of Anna a few weeks ago. Yeah, with the the, uh, the fight pieces were just too rapid and not realistic. And I, I don't like that. That's become the norm. Mm-hmm. And it's these. It really started with the Matrix, I think, where you have these very stiff, upright bodies. There's no expression on their face, and they it's just flailing arms moving very, very quickly. And I don't know. I guess I miss some of the old lethal weapon uh, American fighting style. I really like that. I think it's from Lethal Weapon 2, actually, now that I say it, uh, where it was kind of the uh, the ending where Mel Gibson's fighting off with, I think the other guy knows some sort of martial arts, and it's a very it's like American style versus uh, this Asian style of fighting, and of course it's an American movie, so the American style wins. But I like that. I like that um, just going toe to toe, punching each other. It's more realistic. Yeah, that's I what you're so. saying. It's just more realistic. And I would really prefer, you know, I mentioned earlier in this podcast that Maidstone movie where they're just they're climbing all over each other and it's super sloppy and messy. I love that more than anything because it just looks very real. It's This is what a real fight would be like. Yeah. So, You know, if I had to do all over again is the top five list, I, I, I would include the art of self-defense. I would have put that in would among you? my top five. Yeah, yeah, I should have done that. But too late now. I can't adjust it. I like that movie Certainly a lot. better than Billy Jack. No, all that right. was only a scoop. That was only a scoop, I know. though. I'm okay. saying it's yeah. certainly better than One that. One tin soldier rides away. Hey, let's give producer Joey a great job. Yeah, yeah. Applause producer for Joey, where is she? She's in the other room? Yeah. Thank you, Joey. <laughs> okay. uh, as we said, next week we're going to be watching uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, or as Ira likes to call it, <laughs> To Live and Die in Wipe on Wipe Off. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you can watch that and come. Starring uh, Jack Nicholson or Al Pacino. We're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Same thing. So watch that movie this week, as I know you will, and you can come back with us next week and enjoy our discussion about yes. that movie. Hey, yeah. man. What? We did we it. We did it. We yeah. did it. So uh, if people want to submit things, what can they do? Where, where can they do? Where are they well, going to go? you know what they can do, Ira? They tell, can do email tell. us. They can email us. Where? at we, we actually still do email. We do? We do. Robert at antiwavepodcast.com. And slash or Ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Yeah, or you can reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram because our handle there is at antiwavepod. That's right. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? Yeah! Oh, that was good. That was good. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. Just go to Podbean. Go to our website. Or you can throw us a few bucks over at Patreon and help keep the sprocket holes moving. Hey, Ira! Yeah? Guess what? What? You can keep watching movies and... We'll help. You threw me a curve there, but yeah. I'm going to rally. And you know what? What? I'll help you sort them out. <laughs> I'll help too. Okay, good. I need your help. You're all going to get in line or else I have to kill somebody else.